Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the world-famous North and Gold podcast. I am Salt Lake Jake. My name is Jake, and uh, I am half of this incredible podcast. And with me, as always... My name is Benji. You can follow me on Twitter at NiceLaterHosen and uh, on Instagram at NiceLeatherPants, wherever you want. That's what I try to be. Uh, Benji, I'm in Alaska. I live in North Pole, Alaska. I am a BYU fan with a kind of an interest in Utah, just a, a, a distant distant interest. Yeah, and I am I am the Utah fan with no interest in BYU. <laughs> just kidding. I am the Utah fan, which makes up half this podcast. But, you know, we're actually, this is a very interesting episode. Uh, Benji and I talked about going last week and in, in, in reacting to an, a tragic event that has once again struck the Utah football program. Uh, things couldn't really line up with our schedule, so we decided to do another double bonus podcast, talk about the last two weeks of games. But we need to start with what seems to be just another unfathomable event to hit the Utah football program. We talked about last season, after the end of last season, when Ty Jordan was tragically killed, how un, um, how surreal it seemed. And to to add upon that now, as you all know, Ty Jordan's really good friend, who was wearing the number 22 to honor his death, uh, was killed and taken from this earth exactly nine months to the day that Ty Jordan was killed and taken from this earth in ridiculous, senseless fashion. I just can't, as a human being, understand how anyone can react the way they did. Um, And it's just, it's tragic that this Utah football program is going through what they're going through. And I mean, I don't don't know what else to to say other than it's just, uh, it's, it's crazy and it's tragic. I'll, I'll say too, from the outside fan perspective, uh, I feel like everybody is rooting for Utah now. I mean, I know that's easy to say since our game is over. We've already had that game, but man, your heart just goes out to these kids in the program, to to Coach Whittingham, to the family, and you think if if the rest of the season could bring any sense of, of joy or, or temporary reprieve from their grief, you know, we all, I'm, I'm rooting for Utah from here on out. You kind of want the best for them, but something like this happens and it's, it's just, it's bigger than football, you know, win or lose. I'm saying that it would be nice for him to win. I don't know that it matters as much. And I, I want to make sure I word that the right way. Cause obviously you don't want to, speak for the team and say they don't care, their heart's not into it. But as a fan, how do you feel? I mean, I, I would say if this were my team, just get through the season and, and there are bigger things than football out there. Exactly that. I said on Twitter, I've said every every person I've talked to about it, to me, to see what these guys are going through, to bury their second friend and teammate and brother in nine months, just getting out on the field is going to be a battle enough mentally I remember about 10 years ago, one of my former co-workers' wives, I was, I was good friends with this co-worker, she, she died in a, a motorcycle accident when they were in Hawaii, and it was shocking to me, and it was heart-wrenching, um, and for about a month, I literally could not like focus at work, I couldn't care less, because my heart was just beat up for my friend, like what he was going through, left behind. She was, I mean, young, in, in, in their early 30s, left behind four kids, five kids, 
And it was just difficult for me. So for like a month, I was just in a, in a haze where like I'd go to work and I'm like, man, I don't care about this. This this doesn't matter. This sucks. Shut my laptop and go home. And just that, that was me <coughs> having having somebody on like the third ring peripheral. And so I can't imagine these 19, 20 year old kids who already were dealing with the grief of losing Ty Jordan now compounded by another guy, another teammate, another friend. I honestly, I cannot imagine how they'll be able to focus on football the rest of the season. And that's why to me, the results will not matter. I will cheer and I will support these guys because they need it. But like if, if they go for it on fourth and one and it's a bad call and a bad play, I'm not going to let that bother me because that freaking doesn't matter, man. They just lost their second teammate in nine months. And so to me, the results the rest of the season do not matter. If they win, awesome. If they lose, that's that's life because what they're dealing with is so much more difficult to deal with than, than just a football game. Yeah. It's at, at times like these when you do, it's acceptable and appropriate to reassess the goals. And just relating to my personal experience, which is nothing like theirs, but the pandemic's been hard on everyone. And last year, the timing of it, I had just gone into a significant amount of debt. I mean, I don't want to give it out big numbers, but I bought my dream dental practice with money that I don't have. You know, I borrowed, I got a loan to, to afford my dream dental practice. And then, and that was January 1st of last year. And then the world falls apart, the pandemic hits. So I, I gathered my staff together and I said, Hey, I've got two goals for the year. Nothing else matters to me as the owner of this business. I said, goal number one is I don't want anybody to lose their life or seriously have compromised health through my negligence. You know, we will keep our patients safe. That's goal number one. Goal number two, I want to still own this business at the end of the year. And you kind of, you know, you err on one side, you're too cautious, maybe you lose the business. You err on the other side where the business matters, maybe somebody suffers from it. And so uh, the thing that I wasn't planning on, it made me say, okay, there are only two things that matter. What I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to compare by any means the severity, just in the sense that when something happens that's unforeseen like that, you should reassess what are our goals. It's a big football team. There's a chance that some of the people maybe didn't know him very well, maybe, you know, offensive, specialty group, whatever, that, that maybe can just say, oh, yeah, that's tragic and, and move on. The other thing to keep in mind, though, there were quite a few people on the team who were there, and my imagination sometimes gets away from me, but uh, this, was, this was gruesome. This was brutal. This was something traumatic. This was something that some people need years and years of therapy to get over. And so we don't know who's who. We don't know when we're watching the football players out there giving it their all. You can't tell who was just an acquaintance of his who didn't really, uh, wasn't really affected by it and who may be still deeply hurting most minutes out of every single day. And I, I absolutely think we, yeah, we should cut every player some slack. Just in, You just never know what they are carrying as a result of this. Yep, absolutely. And as you mentioned, in the, it, it said in the paper it was an absolutely brutal situation that happened and many of his teammates were there and and after the gunshots were fired went out there ran out there and saw him laying in the streets and dead and it's that that alone because of the ty jordan thing they're such they're, they're different and i don't want to rank this is worse than the other blah 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 whatever but the fact that when when ty jordan passed away he was home with the family everyone was home with family for the holidays no one was around him this 
these guys saw, a lot of them saw what happened and that traumatic event could, like you said, affect them the rest of their lives, let alone the rest of this season. And it would not, I'm, it, I don't know, it would not surprise me if there were guys that just threw in the talents and said, I can't, I can't do this. I can't yeah. focus on football. And I would be, okay, I would be a hundred percent okay with that because at this point, nothing else matters except getting these guys right, you know, and it's just, yeah. it's a tragic thing. And, and you talk about the football players, it has really, really affected Kyle Whittingham and you can see it. You can you can see it on his face. He when he spoke at the at the candlelight vigil when he met with the media. There's pictures of him going around the internet where he just looks like the weight of the world upon him because he goes in these families' living rooms. He tells them, "I will I will take care of your child while they're away." And so whether it he should or should not feel any ounce of responsibility, I'm not going to debate that. It, it it's probably gone through his head over and over that I promise these families their kids will be okay. And now under my watch, I've had one tragically taken. And so it's dude. It, it, it could have not only rippling effects for the rest of the season, but for a long time for Utah football. This could force coaching changes immediately, long term, whatever. We we just don't know. But the fact is, we just gotta be gotta be happy with them showing up and and stepping on the field because that's what that's that's all you can ask for at this point. If if they're out there and they're trying to trying to focus on something other than this this murder, good for them. And I I don't care whether we win or lose. Yeah. I I can I see what you're saying. I mean, it's human nature to say, what could I have done differently? But the fact that people from a distance might make some assumptions that just flat out aren't true. This was in a good neighborhood. I don't know when the last time is somebody was murdered in that neighborhood, but it doesn't happen that frequently. It's not like a bunch of college kids out partying where they shouldn't be. You know, it was it was a normal party that you or I would have gone to in our college years. It was one where more with social media aiding it, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, you know, when it came time to a, a disagreement that escalated, I, it's not his fault and it's not Whittingham's fault. And it's not like, I, I don't know. I, it's just one of those things. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a college party that happens all the time at every school where college athletes go to all the time. And happened all the time, and just ha- so happened that a piece of crap human being who had a long rap sheet already with yeah. with criminal offenses thought it'd be it, it was his place to show up, cause problems, and because he felt disrespected, take someone's life. So, freaking, it's just, it's frustrating for so many reasons. It's it's disheartening. It's it's I mean, at the very lowest of, of all things that matter and at all. It's like taking the wind out of the season completely. Like, like everything's everything's been changed by this, and it'll be interesting to see. I, I could see it going one of two ways. I could see this like completely galvanizing the team and just thinking, "Holy crap! Our brother that was here on the field with us this very last game is no longer here," and they they bond and just have a a, a force that you can't quantify, right? Or like we said, it could cause such irreparable damage to people that it could be. They could not win another game the rest of the year. And I wouldn't be surprised either way. And that's why I think all fans need to readjust their expectations and just be accepting of whatever happens, happens. Oh, I'm 100% for that. We talked last time about how on the BYU side of things, you'd related it to your Fiesta Bowl year. Because I'd mentioned even if BYU goes undefeated and gets a great New Year's Day Bowl and, and they win that, 
I don't think BYU fans will be happy. They'll spend forever saying we should have had a chance at the playoff. I don't think they're going to get a chance at that. So there, there is no happiness to be taken away in sports. Here's what I noticed this weekend. Zach Wilson. Unless you're an Alabama fan. Unless you're an Alabama Well, yeah, then <laughs> good for you. But I think even they, I think years they don't win the national championship, they consider a failure. I mean, what a horror! What a that sucks so bad, man. But that's the thing; it's all relative. It's all relative. They're like, oh, LSU won. That's the worst. This is the worst year of my life. You know, like I'm sure there are fans out there that <laughs> yeah. think that way. So happiness doesn't come from sports. We know that, and I hope our fans know that. That yes, temporary, but no, not lasting happiness. The New York Jets and Zach Wilson, they had a victory. And watching the way the team celebrated that, and the way the fans went nuts. It's like, you know what? That's that's great. You're you're one and three now and be happy about that, you know? You don't, I, there's little victories to be had along the way. And and I guess what I'm getting at is if Utah football only has one or two wins the rest of the season, enjoy the heck out of them, you know? Yep. Live it up. Yep. Like, do not I just I it's going to drive me insane to see if people are down on this team after all of that. Now that being said, our fans know, our listeners know, I hope by now that both Jake and I place a lot more things in life above football importance. However, football is the focus of this podcast. So if we spend a lot of time talking about it, it's just, yeah, that's what we do. It is. Yep. And, and uh, we, we will, the youths are dedicating the rest of the season to both Aaron Jordan, Aaron, Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan. Kyle Whittingham talked about re- retiring the number 22 forever, which I think is an awesome idea. I would mm-hmm. love to see it become like a, a sacred number to our to our play to our school, you know. People yeah. having twenty two on the side of their hats or on a t shirt or whatever, and I think that'd be cool. But yeah, um, I, I had a dream the other night because I, I I dream vivid dreams. Okay, um, and I I had a dream that Utah beat USC by twenty two points, and on the last play we took a knee on the twenty two yard line, and it was like the most amazing story. And people were sobbing and blah blah blah. And I, I hope that would be incredible if something like yeah. that happened. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because we talked about it just being sports, right? I believe this dream was prophesied by the Old Testament prophet Joel, who mentioned in the latter days that your young men will dream dreams. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So some people may forget this podcast came from a dream. I had a dream one night that you and I had a podcast every week, and it was a fifteen-minute podcast. And I woke up and was like, ah, oh, we should do this. And then year after year after year, we were about to get it started. And then tragedy kept striking you and then me and then you. And then anyway, here we are. We are. And, and we just passed the 15-minute mark. So the, the, the prophecy. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs> That's right. We like to ramble. Anyway, so let's, let's, let's talk about sports, man. This is a sports podcast. Yeah. We, de- we dedicate this podcast to Aaron Lowe, to his family, uh, he loved the Utes, he loved football, and he wants them to keep playing and keep going on, and so we will do that as well. We will keep discussing and going on. We've got two weeks' worth of stuff to talk about. Thankfully, for at least for Utah, super, super small silver lining, but at least one tiny, tiny silver lining is they had a bye week where they could focus on grieving and not have to prepare for a game. So yeah. if, if there if there is a blessing in disguise, and, and granted, obviously, being super small, in the very least, at least they had that where they could – not have to worry about traveling and playing. They could just focus on, on grieving. So that was good. But yeah. we've had uh, two weeks pass since our last one. Um, let's let's talk about your Cougs. You've had a couple games. Let's let's recap. Oh, man. Two, two wins that, honestly, the USF 
University of South Florida, that was one of those wins that felt like a loss. And when you listen to the players talk about it afterwards, you got the sense that they felt that way too, like we were lucky to get out of it. Now, that being said, a few days after, uh, I read the quote from Aaron Roderick that said something like, wow, he was really surprised that... So BYU gets out to a huge lead. First quarter is amazing. Everything's perfect. Um, you know, just they, they can do no wrong. They get up, I think, 21 nothing in the first quarter. And uh, USF kind of slowly starts chipping away at that lead in the second half. And, and the quote that, that made me wonder, like, if maybe BYU really, really did know what they were doing is Roderick said, yeah, I thought it was really gutsy of them to try to make up for a large deficit by running it over and over and over again. Now, it was working. They were gaining yards. But I think our defense was just set up to say, hey, we got a big lead they are not going to get these chunk plays. They're not going to get back into it. And it made me realize, too, um, a, a rule change. I didn't notice this until uh, a couple games back. They don't stop the clock when you run out of bounds. Have you noticed that? That's happened for a couple years. Yeah, okay, so I haven't well, been paying attention. This yeah. is the Low IQ Podcast, North yeah, and Goal. It's been, in fact, I think it's been like five or six years, if I'm No honest. way, has it really? But, but there, there's a caveat where in the fourth quarter under, I think, two minutes they do. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it, which, which when it first happened, and I still feel this way, because I, I, the more football, the better, in my opinion, no matter what it is. I was kind of upset when it first happened. Like, man, don't change this game that we love so yeah. much. You know, you go out of bounds, the clock should stop. That's just how it is. Has it really been five years? Here, I here think it's we been are. close. Okay, I'm talking about it now. This is this is how I'm seeing it. Because, and the reasoning is uh, the, the game was just getting way too long with all the commercial breaks and everything. And I feel like they've traded quality football time for commercials, you know, rather than it's, saying, let's just cut out the commercials. They're like, well, we need the commercials. Let's cut out more game. So they keep yeah. the clock going, which makes it even harder to make a comeback, to come back from that lead. It shortens the game. And so when you look at a, at a halftime lead of like three touchdowns, you really can say, all right, if we grind it out and we force them to run and we run three possessions the rest of the game. And I think that was it. The second half uh, against USF, BYU scored one touchdown, kicked one field goal, and then they ran the clock out. I mean, that was all they had to do because USF kept running and running and running and running. And so you say, okay, they're, they're doing what we allow them to do. And it was so frustrating to watch because it was like, man, get off the field, get the defense off the field. Why can't we stop them? But you know what? We won the game and that's what we wanted to do. And so looking back, like three days later, I was like, this, this maybe wasn't as frustrating as I thought it was. This maybe was exactly what they wanted to do in the second half. Huh. Um, and you know what? I just did it while you're talking. I did a quick Google search. Yeah. Um, it looks, it looks like this changed in 2014. Are you serious? 2014? It, it, well, that talks about it again on another website in 2008. So it didn't change that long ago. Uh, we'll have, we'll have to follow up with our our readers next That's, game. I want to find out ex, yeah. ex, uh, specifically well, what changed. But I do know it's been a few years. I put it out there. One of the games this year on Twitter, I said, hey, and this is my uh, sarcasm, I was like, my friend wants to know why the clock's not stopping, and I'm not sure the best way to explain it to him. How would you explain <laughs> it to him? And I, I had three or four people jump in and say my friend was wondering the same thing. And so there were a few of us. I, it's, for whatever reason, it seems more conspicuous to me this year than it had before. So, yeah, what call, it tells call me, in, let us know. What it tells me in the last four years, there hasn't been a game then that's, 
it's you've paid that much attention to it because you've been wanting the clock to run out or whatever, you know? But, there yeah. hasn't been a game where it's been a, that... Or I don't know. I, I remember when it changed. There was It was kind of an uproar on Twitter for a while. I, I want to say it has been like six or seven years, man. I don't man. know. Man, we're, but, there's a bunch of us casuals here. Thanks for tuning into our podcast, anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Maybe, maybe yeah. all maybe all our fans are casuals. So that, that could that be. I don't. I don't uh, think they come here to learn the yeah the <laughs> to learn football. Uh, let's talk about the Utah State game. That was fun. That was a fun game because Utah State hates us. Kalani said we heard a lot of mean things and we heard a lot of funny things, and we didn't hear very many compliments. You know, and it tells me uh, the the Aggie fans, you know, I I used to be one way back in the day. I was in the herd, the Utah State student section, and it was fun. I mean, it was creative. It was clever. At least where I sat, there wasn't a lot of meanness. You know, it was usually just all, you know, kind of just being goofy kind of stuff. But there has been some years when they've really I think they've taken it to a level where they shouldn't. And of course, it's I'm not going to judge the entire fan base based on the actions of a few but there's been a lot of actions of a lot of few that you thought, yikes! I don't know about well, hey, that. When you were back in there, though, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to what I say that the root decay of society is that was before social media, bro. Yeah. When you were back in there, and things have changed both not not only how people treat each other online, but it's bled into real life, and I think that's part of it. I, I think, think so part too. Of it, dude, is, is people feel like they can say whatever they want when. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. No, I, but I'm sure that's part of it. You're right. I, it has gotten uglier. It has gotten nastier. In fact, I mean, I'll just go ahead and go into it. I stopped associating myself with the Utah State fan base over the Brandon Davies incident. You remember that? Brandon Davies gets suspended. He shows up the next year and all kinds of posters and signs making fun of his sexual transgression and repentance process. And here's a guy that I see is, okay, I'm cheering for him as a fan, but I see him as a brother. You know, I see him as a, a fellow child of God trying to do his best and, and all that. And I think, man, that I, I know a lot of people in that in that student section feel the same way I do about living right and wrong and, and how to go about your life. And and that was it wasn't just that. I'm not gonna those of you who are mad about what I'm about to say, judging judging the actions of the many by the posters written by a few, it wasn't that. After that happened, the Utah State president wrote a letter and officially and formally apologized to BYU and said we were out of line. And I loved that action. And I said, this makes me proud to be a Utah State Aggie alumnus. And I'm going to support the Aggies going forward. I thought this was exactly the action that needed to be taken. And I applauded that effort. And you know what happened at the very next basketball home game in the spectrum? Did they boo him? No. The Utah State students, and it has totally blew up in their faces, they... As one, I mean, they were unified in this. The entire student section was silent for something like seven minutes. You know, they tried to make it just very, very obvious. They didn't cheer, boo, clap anything for anything that happened on the court as a protest because they said that apology did not come from us. We do not support that apology. I thought, my goodness, if that student section can be that unified in fighting against the one thing that I applauded, I don't feel like I belong. And and I said, all right, I, I love my degree from Utah State, but what they represent no longer matches with what I represent. You took your records off, name off the I records did. of the Utah State Aggies. Um, dude, uh, I don't even know, man. The funny thing is, I don't want to get too far in the weeds in this. But this I, is, the funny we're thing way is, in the weeds. We are in the weeds. A, a lot of those guys in that student section, do you think they're they're 
they're they're making fun of him for this sexual transgression. They're freaking doing the same thing. Oh, you know, they, yeah, they live the same. And, way. and their <laughs> sins aren't known. And that's the thing is they don't have the 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 problem of having their sins broadcast the world like like Brandon Davies did. Yeah, that's so stupid. If if you were to show up with a with a, a tape recorder because this was back in the tape recorder era and show up in an elders quorum lesson of the student ward in Provo or in Logan and just record five minute clips here and there and then you had to make people guess where it came from they wouldn't be able to we're all the same you know it just it, that's that's what drove me insane here's why it, it was instant karma it blew up in their face the spectrum is a hard place to win that team was in a funk and they lost that game and it oh, was really? like yeah it was great the, and it was just i mean it felt off the entire game and so huh. anyway that's my that is very much into the weeds i wasn't planning on talking to all that but Here's the thing. BYU fans don't necessarily hate Utah State fans. Like, they just, they don't really think about it. And that's the point of the Ogden joke. I know a lot of people hate the Ogden joke, but that's kind of what they're saying is like, dude, we don't even know where you are. We don't care about you. But, man, that, that hate goes really, really strong one direction. Like, you can wear a Utah State hat around Provo. People aren't going to give you crap about it. You show up in Logan with a BYU hat, you're going to hear about it everywhere you go. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's nuts. So it felt good to win your quarterback, though. Let's talk about some injuries going on with your teams here. With your team, what's going on? Yes, who knows? There there is anything and everything out there today on Twitter. Um, and here's why I'm not worried. Jaron Hall, he's proven. Have you ever broken your ribs? Yeah, I broke my ribs mountain biking three years ago. I was coming down Mueller Park. I had just picked up mountain biking. Uh, and, and so I started in 2016. I got really big into it in 17, 18, 19, 20. Um, didn't do it much this year. But, like, I would go for, like, those three years, I would go four or five times a week up Mueller Park, and I would come down. I was in great shape. Um, anyway, so the, I was just starting. I was coming down Mueller Park, and I was going faster than I should have because I wasn't quite familiar with how it, you got to ride this thing. And I was coming around a corner that was really sandy dirt. It washed out underneath me, and I slammed on my side on my shoulder on a rock, and then my my I broke two ribs where I felt like I felt like I was dying like yeah. I couldn't believe it because I couldn't breathe I was like oh my, I, immediately I panicked I thought I just punctured my lungs oh, or whatever no. but I didn't I didn't what? I was just a wuss anyway yeah. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't breathe very well and I had to sleep in a lazy boy for three weeks because I couldn't lay down flat so yes I've broken my I'm, ribs and it sucks I've I've heard it only hurts when you breathe and that's a good that's a good way to keep that in mind I I think I fractured some ribs. When I was living in Southern California, playing pickup basketball, and whoever designed these stupid, stupid gyms that have padding underneath the uh, the basket, you know, so so you're running for your layup full speed, you go for the layup, and someone gives you a little push, and you hit that padding a little harder. Well, I hit the border of the padding made out of freaking wood that sticks out from the brick, and so <laughs> I took it right in the ribs, just this like this beam, this wooden thing, and it was like, oh, it was just the worst. And I didn't, I didn't go to the doctor and get it officially diagnosed, but it took about six to eight weeks to feel better, which tells me, yeah, that was, that was, that's kind of how you know if a bone is involved is that six to eight week timetable healing period. Anyway, um, the, the, the zuggy thing is that happened just after I got married, like a week or two after I got married. 
Oh. And and we'll just we'll just say that as a newlywed, terrible it sucks timing. to have broken ribs. I'm not gonna explain why um, for for our yeah. youth listeners. But it was like, man, why can't I have break, broken my ribs like three months ago or like two years from now? But yeah, yeah. everything hurts. Everything hurts. And anyway, that's what's going on with Jaron Hall, and that's why I think there is a little ambiguity on his return is because he may be able to play. But do we want him to play? If he gets hit hard, is he going to re-injure that thing? I mean, it's something where, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets the start. It wouldn't surprise me if he's out three more weeks. Because the way he's been grabbing his his side. Well, they haven't said anything officially, I believe. Someone pointed out, though, some Twitter sleuth, there's a hit he took in the Utah game. Not even a hit he took. He got tackled from behind. Someone got his legs, and he just kind of rolled over. And he got up, and as he stood up, he had his hand on that exact spot on his right ribs. He stood up holding that and just kind of was, was like, wincing a little. And then he ran off the field and, and uh, or ran back to the huddle or whatever. Um, but the way he got up, it was like, hey, this was already injured. This is something that he re-aggravated. Um, whatever game that was a couple weeks later. So anyway, that's his situation. I don't know. Like I say, he may or may not start Baylor Romney uh, concussion. And I knew as soon as he went down, I told Melissa watching the game with, I said, he's got a concussion. Man. Nobody's head hits the ground that hard without getting concussion. I said, he's got a concussion, but he didn't come out. He played one more play. And then on Twitter, he started saying, Hey, he went in a different room than the rest of the team. And I was like, yeah, he's got a concussion. Um, and then of course there's photos of him after the game, wearing the sunglasses, wearing the earplugs, like he's in concussion protocol. Kalani made reference to the fact though, that this is a good, like there's no such thing as a good concussion, but after a concussion, you know, I guess there's different protocols of how long you have to stay out. And it, it makes it sound like he's maybe there. I'm skeptical of that just because I can't remember in recent history anybody playing one week after a concussion. I think the minimum protocol is more than that. Here's why I'm not worried. Jared, what's his name? Conover. I want to say Jaron Conover. It's not Jaron Conover. Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, high IQ. I'm the BYU fan here. Jacob Conover had eight P5 offers, including Alabama. There's no doubt in my mind if he had been QB1 from the beginning of camp, we would all be worried that he's going to be in the NFL next year. I mean, this kid has a ton of talent. We didn't see much of it against Utah State. Kalani made a, a point that anytime an opposing team sees a backup QB come in, they change their strategy and they go after him. So his very first start, they're giving him pressure that they wouldn't have been given otherwise. Here's, here's the thing I like, though. He came out, and they designed plays for him to be slinging it. You know, normally the backup QB comes in, and they're like, all right, let's do some handoffs, let's do some screen passes, let's make it easy for him. They let him look downfield right off the bat, which tells me the people that know him the best trust him to sling it downfield. So eh, maybe we can be worried just in the sense that we haven't really seen him prove himself on that level. I'm not really worried, though. Do you want my uh, my take well, on I your do. correct situation, which is an outsider with no emotional investment in it at all. Yes. I think personally, I think Baylor Romney's your best quarterback. I watching him, he just he just so cool and calm when throwing the ball. Like just like no big deal. You know? Like yeah. it it just it looks to me watching the offense when he's in there, it looks better. It looks more fluid. It looks more potent. I don't know. I think he's your best quarterback. He's- I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. They they said in fall camp there is very little drop off from one to two and two to three and then there's some drop off. So Soljoy Soljay Moyavala I think is his name, but um, 
Yeah, I'd worry if he comes in because it sounds like from the people watching, yeah, that's where the drop off is. Um, and it, you could be right that as as far as a pure passer goes, maybe Baylor's the best. But man, Jaron brings that running threat that you can't ignore. I mean, he gets outside the pocket, coverage breaks down, he'll suddenly pick up twenty yards for you that you weren't even planning on. And and Baylor can't quite. I mean, Baylor's not unathletic. You know, he he can run. He just he looks like a quarterback running. Jaron looks like a like a running back running. Yeah. No, I mean, there's obviously they have different strengths, but for me, when I watched them, I if it were like if I had to choose, I'd 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 play Romney. I just like I don't know. I think he I think he seems more fit for the for the position based on what yeah. I've seen. But hey, you know you've, you're winning with both, so who cares? Yeah, which is awesome. Coming back to uh, aside from this, the students and the fans and the and the coaches and all that and the quarterbacks, the Utah State game, I do have to point out. The frustrating thing that was a little bit like USF, but in a different way, is they kept converting third and long over and over and over and over again, and it was frustrating to watch because our defense couldn't get off the field. But the more I watch this BYU defense, the more I've come to accept that as that's not a flaw, that's a feature. Uh, shout out to Ken O'Kelly. Um, Ken, I can't remember his name. Just look at my, he's Ken. He's he's the Ken that we all follow. I will, I will say this. You suck with names on this podcast today. That's like the fourth person you can't remember a name. I can't remember, I can't remember the rules. I'm telling you what, it's uh, in my time it's 8.13, but I've been waking up early to drop off my kid at seminary and in these long days at work. My brain is not in a good space right now, so it's, it's like I'm a little buzzed, but I'm not. I'm just drinking water here. Um, yeah. Ken. Uh, he pointed out he plays a lot of ultimate frisbee, and he's like to the point where he like knows strategy. And he was saying when you're like defensive ultimate frisbee strategy, you want the other team to make as many passes as possible because the more passes they make, the more likely they are to make a mistake. And so in football, when you eliminate chunk plays, you've done yourself a huge favor. When you eliminate the running game, BYU absolutely eliminated the running game. Utah State averaged like under a yard per run attempt. I mean, they they shut down. I think there was only one chunk play they got away with, and they shut down the running game. And so they were forcing Utah State to just throw it over and over and over and over again. They only came up with two turnovers, two interceptions, but there were eight toss-ups. There were eight either should have been interceptions or fumbles that Utah State recovered. Can you imagine how lopsided the game would have been if only half of those would have gone BYU's way, if they had six turnovers instead of two? I mean, this, again, making them convert, like, long passes on third and eight over and over and over again, I think it's a feature, not a flaw, and and I'm buying into it. I'm starting to believe. Okay, awesome. So you got the wagon wheel now. You got the beehive boot. Things are just adding up for your locker do we officially have the boot like i know we deserve the boot and we should have it but but do we know where it is yeah utah's had it in storage for like a decade or something (laughs) so but but i read actually i read an article yeah that they're they're sending it back right now or something i don't know so nice if if you don't officially have possession of said boot it will be any day now. So okay, okay, that's good yeah. to know. All these yeah, stupid anyway, it's been charges. great. And then let's talk about top ten in the nation. I mean, things are looking good. We've got we've got some uh, high level recruits coming, and that's the thing. I, it's a it's a fun time to be a BYU fan. And I I feel bad. Like I don't want to. If it was just that Utah sucked, I'd be like, yeah, this is awesome. But you know, again, my heart goes out to the Utah fans because it's not a fun time to be a Utah fan. And it goes beyond football reasons, but man, Dude, this is just this is a great time to be a BYU fan. That's what's so amazing about this. We'd mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago. It's just like the dichotomy of our two programs right now. 
nothing's going Utah's way, man. Nothing's going our way, including, as we mentioned at the start of this, ridiculous tragedies, right? And so, and, and you've got a lot of momentum, and hey, that's 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 great. But as far as Utah goes, we've played one game in the last two weeks, so I only have one to recap. Um, we it was the first game starting Cam Rising as quarterback, as we know. Previous podcast, our former starter got benched, and uh, within two quarters of being benched, he hit the road. Didn't didn't stick around to see anything happen. So our our former starter bounced. Cam Rising started against Washington State, and I just Utah's offense. I just for those that can't see, I'm just rubbing my face right now because like it's just. We can it's hear just you the, rubbing your face. It's it's just it's just the same frustrating thing that's been happening for a decade, except, with a few exceptions. Obviously, Tyler Huntley was a beast and was awesome, but it's just the same kind of thing over and over. Where it's like we just the best way I can describe it is just like without being too crass, it's like our offense is like constipated. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's just like come on, let's just let's just 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 go. It's just difficult to watch and difficult to to see happen and. I, I don't know. I I have heard rumblings that there's going to be some major changes at the end of this year, with coaching changes all the way to the Kyle Whittingham because he's just he's this this year's taking a toll on him. Man, think about this last calendar year because our football season didn't start last year till November seventh. Mm-hmm. So in the last calendar year, you have games canceled over and over because of COVID. You play five total games. You have a superstar running back, future Ute all-timer emerge, and then he's tragically killed on Christmas Day. So then you deal with all that after playing a total of five games. The team's already reeling. You have your offseason. Then you start the season, and you have another player killed, all in less than a calendar year. Like, it's been ridiculous and wit flat out said has been the hardest coaching year of my life which duh obviously over just mm-hmm. what i just mentioned the last 10 seconds obviously so anyway the thing about the the washington state game though is there's there's a few things i want to focus on that give me give me hope right because i can focus on the negative all day which is easy uh the defense showed signs of being 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 uh a, a typical utah defense getting pressure getting sacks getting picks and, and in the fourth quarter, I counted on several plays. There were eight freshmen on the field in critical in the critical moments when they're making big plays, making big stops. Three freshmen on the D line, four freshmen in the uh, in the uh, in the secondary, two fresh uh, one freshman in the linebacker. Like eight out of eleven guys were freshmen, so that yeah. that could that's good good for the future. Get some good experience in there. Also, um, if you look at what happened in the course of this game, I don't know if you watched it. But we fumbled the ball seven freaking times. Yeah. We only lost three of them, but it was comedy at one point. I'm not even lying when I tell you this. There was one point in the fourth quarter where we fumbled the ball, and I literally started laughing because I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it because they were they were like mind-numbing, like terrible fumbles, like over and over and over. Two of them we fumbled inside the 10-yard line. One of them was as we were, it was first and goal, uh, second and goal from the half yard line, and he crosses the goal line, but right as he crosses, a helmet hits a ball, and we fumble it. That would have given us the lead. So there were literally two turnovers inside the five, as well as a missed field goal. So we literally left 17 points on the field right there. So really, the game could have been a 41 13 score 
which is totally different than than what it felt, right? I mean, it it mm. felt like we we eked it out. So it it was a little bit bigger of a a little bit better of a game than the score indicates, just based on on those things. But man, we got to clean up our fumbles because everybody's dropping the ball all the way down to sure-handed uh, Britton Covey, who fumbled it on a punt return. Luckily, it went out of bounds. Um, we've got to settle on a starting running back. We've had three now that have had a 100-yard rushing game. Like, three separate running backs in four games have each rushed for 100 yards. Makai Bernard versus BYU looked awesome. He had 100-plus yards. Uh, Tavion Thomas in the first game looked good. He had two touchdowns, 100-plus yards. In his last game, TJ Pledger, 100-plus yards and a touchdown. And so they got to settle on running back. I think Cam Rising, that was his very first start in, since high school four years ago. He probably had a little bit of the nerves. He, I think he'll settle in, look a little bit better. He didn't look spectacular. Uh, but like I said, Utah offense, welcome to Utah football under Kyle Whittingham. It just, it is what it is. Hopefully he can, he can get a little bit better and we can settle in and, and maybe do some things. But like I said at the beginning, I don't care. I don't care. Just go out there and have fun, fellas. Take three hours to relieve yourself from the stress of losing a friend and teammate. Gun down brutally, and I'm okay with it. You know, the good thing about a constipated offense is at some point it's just going to unload. I like it. <laughs> I hope so. Watch out. You Watch never out. know. You never know. Yeah. They could, or, they could, or they could end up having to go to the hospital and getting surgery because it just can't happen. Oh, can I share a, an anatomy <laughs> an anatomy story from Anatomy Lab in dental school? Sure. <laughs> there, was a, there was a cadaver, um, you know, opening up. You, you learn the human body best by, like, just dissecting it. That's how you learn what's inside of people, right? And, and doctors need to know what's inside of people. So and I don't know why dentists need to know the colon but dentists do need to know the colon i guess but we're uh, we're dissecting these guys it was like three cadavers over from mine we had like four students per body and uh they they cut open his uh his thorax his his uh anyway they get they get looking in his his colon his like lower intestine is just enormous and the the professor warns that group of students he's like hey don't go anywhere near any of this. He's like, I've seen this. I know, like, this is probably why this guy died. Like, this this cadaver is constipated, and you do not want to lacerate any of this. Like, just be careful. And so for weeks and weeks and weeks, they're careful, and they're fine. And then one day, somebody gets carried away, and poof. And You're it was kidding. terrible. It was like room clearing. Like, we had to, I mean, it was awful. We didn't go in. Like, you had to stay out for several days. It was so bad. It was like, that's, uh... that's the worst. <laughs> North and goal, everybody. Thank you for tuning yeah. in. <laughs> That's incredible. Hey, we try to provide a little levity, man, because life is hard, man. Doesn't it matter is. who you are. Everybody's going through something. Some through extreme, ridiculous challenges. Some through just everyday mundane stuff, man. If you can laugh a little bit because we're talking about exploding colons, hey, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all we're here for, right? Hey, so yeah. before we end, before we end, I th- I, I heard you say we have a mailbag. Did, did we do have a mailbag. Wait, I want to hear about USC first, though, because they okay. who's coaching yes. USC these days? Well, that's what's hilarious is since we've been in the Pac-12, we've played uh-huh. them every year. This is our, our 10th or our 11th year in the Pac-12, and this will be our third time playing an interim head coach yeah. against them. And the past two times they've beat us because all of a sudden uh, Ed Orgeron becomes the interim head coach and they go on a massive tear. Then they yeah. fire the next coach who was uh, Lane Kiffin and uh, or Steve Sarkeesian and 
the interim coach was Clay Hilton, and they went on, on a tear. And now they fired Clay Hilton, and the interim coach is Dante Williams, I believe. Um, okay. And they, the funny thing about the funny thing about USC this season is they've had massive win, massive loss, massive win, massive loss, massive win, which is their last game. So it falls that pattern. Utah's in luck <laughs> for beating them with a massive loss. Twenty-two which I hope points. So. Here we go. Twenty-two so. points. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So to USC here we've all here's they've always beat us. They've always beat us with their NFL wide receivers. Even yeah. when they have a bad year, they've just always got NFL dudes. They just do it receiver. And they've got another guy named Drake London who is mm. awesome. Big guy, big bodied. Reminds me a little bit of Megatron. And he's big and just, just sure-handed. So um, so if they just sit back and – I mean, I look at 2019, our lone regular season loss, we went 11-1, and was at mm-hmm. USC with their third-string quarterback. Because Keaton Slovis or, – or, or start JT Daniels had gotten injured early in the year. Keaton Slovis came in, had a good year, but like the first series, he got tackled and did the same thing that happened to Baylor Romney. Head bounced off the off the, the turf, concussion. He's out. They bring in a third-string guy named Matt Fink, and all he did was throw lob passes to these NFL wide receivers. And yeah. they ate, and they had like, I think, three long passes for touchdowns. We made it a close game to where we had the ball in the fourth quarter, one possession, but it was that's how they beat us. So if they beat us, which they're, they're favored to, um, and again, I don't know what to expect because this is the first game since the tragedy. So who knows? Uh, I expect yeah. them to to beat us passing that way. But if we win, I, we can, I don't. I I think we can go in. I think we can go in and go in there and uh, just establish the the run game like we used to, because they're not very good at stopping the run. They've let teams run all over them. Specifically, their last loss that they had, Oregon State at home, they were gashing them for huge gains. So if we can go in there and get some get some big runs, maybe we can pull this off. One thing I know for sure, we're going in there. We're looking good because we got some new throwback uniforms this week that are all white and red, yeah. and none of these weird stripes that don't stripe or mountain sleeves. They're throwbacks. They're 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 icy. They're clean, as the kids say, and we're gonna look good. Whether we win or lose, we're gonna look good, and we're gonna be on the field. Which, like I said at the start, that's a win, baby. Just being I- on the field. <coughs> I do. I like Utah's uniforms. I like BYU's uniforms too this week, but we'll talk about Utah's first. That all white look, I think, is one of my favorite BYU ones. It's got the royal trim and all white under the lights. It looks so clean. It's so fresh. And then as the kid, the little kid in me loves when you're playing on real grass like BYU does, by the end of the game, your all white uniforms got like stains yeah. all over it. I'm sure it's like a five year old. I'm like, yeah, that's like a that's like what you dream that's of. Cool. Like that's, that's a cool. man's look. And hey, I, I I'm pretty sure SC's is grass too, so we, we can have that look this year, this week. There you go. It's, it's prime time, six o'clock on Fox. Um, nice and, uh, under the lights. Big so Fox, we'll, Big Fox. Yeah, Big Fox. So maybe we'll get we're, some gr- grass stains. That's awesome. We're on. So we're on ABC at like noon, or I don't even uh, the time difference. I don't know what time it is for you. Sometimes we're on ABC in the middle of the day though, um, against Boise State. So man, that's cool. Good exposure yeah. for both of our teams. Yeah, and so like I said, I I just hope honestly, I hope they go out there and they can forget about the tragedy and put in, and play a good game. And that honestly, and I mean this, I, as a fan that lives and dies by wins and losses, like it's hard for me to believe that I'm saying this, but I don't care. I don't yeah. care this year if they don't win because of what they've been through. And so let's let's go. Um, yeah, okay. So mailbag, let's do this. All right, mailbag. We got three questions. Let me pull them up. I'm scroll over there. I, was, I, will, I just refreshed I, I to make sure nothing else came in. I haven't previewed them. I usually do, but I didn't preview them. All right. So this is, this is a straight-up answer off the top of my head. 
Okay, straight up answer. This comes from Andrew Zog, longtime listener, longtime fan, longtime friend of the program. What's one thing you would change about the game day experience for your team? One thing I would change about the game day experience for my team. Um, it's, I mean, we've talked about that in the past. Utah's got a pretty good experience there. I, okay, I, I wish we had some awesome tradition because college football is about tradition. You think about Wisconsin, jump around. You think about Virginia Tech, enter Sandman. You think about Ohio State, dotting the I. All, all these have these really cool traditions. We don't have any. We've tried starting them. We've tried stealing them. We've tried doing all kinds of things. We had a hawk that we trained for two seasons. <laughs> and the first time he got loose, he flew out of the stadium and it never came back. And they never tried it again. <laughs> We've tried these big taiko drums in between third, and people make fun of it. We really don't have a, a really cool tradition that is like Utah. So if I could change one thing, it would be that we had some awesome tradition that just everybody knew that was a Utah tradition. Yeah. Oh, I can respect that. I was thinking about, about this a lot. I, I've got really nothing to say because they've already checked all the boxes. Just Maybe just about. I'll, I'll talk, and we'll see where, the, where we'll see where I land here. Before this season, I would have said... I want the students to get into it. I don't want the old ladies doing crossword puzzles. You know, I want the better atmosphere in the stadium. Man, that box is checked this year. Those that the crowd has just been on point. Uh, God, what's his name? Uh, IU CJ IU tweeted out there. He uh, a video. He said, "Could you imagine being a recruit and seeing this and saying, nah, 'Nah, I'm good.' You know, I mean, he just the, like the actual video of the actual game. Like recruits." Love that stuff. The crowd was into it. 11,000 student sections strong, just way into it. The other thing I would have criticized was the locker room. Looked like any other church facility locker room that you would have expected. They completely redesigned that this year. It's got the bright blue fluorescent lights. It's got. It looks like an elite locker room. It looks like a locker room you could recruit to. And so I'm really happy with how that's changed. Uh, and then the other cool thing that wasn't even on my list they give out these boxes, and so as part of every week, BYU does a recap of, um, they call it The Cut, and they'll do like five minutes, and it's not just highlights. They'll focus on something else that you didn't realize, like the this one, uh, the Utah State one, the first two minutes, talk about like the guy cutting hair, you know, in that facility, in the in the athlete facility. And it's like, man, you watch that as a recruit and think, that's that's something that I could show up anytime I want for a haircut from that guy. And could try all these different styles, obviously within reason with the dress and grooming standards. But uh, anyway, they do this cut. And so they'll talk about the swag boxes they give to the team, to the players every single game. And it's just all these sweet shirts, hoodies, all this different stuff that's like unique, original, one of a kind. And it just looks awesome. I think, man, that is like above and beyond what I was like expecting. And so I, I can't be selfish. I don't think there's anything else I want to change at this point. Maybe down the road, I'll see something someone else does and say, ooh, I wish BYU would do that. But I'm just happy with the progress they've made. Like they, to me, have made that recruiting pitch, like that gap from the G5 to P5 level already with just those changes and i love it okay so i expect your stadium to be translated then if it's already perfect so net there'll be it no is. more no more byu stadium no more others it's your program's translated so there's nothing you can name huh it's all everything's just if roses and unicorns down there if, if it's translated and you're saying no more why where are you planning on being for eternity i'm not i'm not, I'm not I'm not ending up there, man. Where I'm ending <laughs> up, it's going to be a lot hotter and a lot more frustrated. 
It's going to be BYU versus Enoch U again. Every year, there's just the two teams. Anyway, um, no, <laughs> yeah, it's great. No, I'll, I'll be with all the other drunk Ute fans okay. down in the basement. I'll, I'll say this then. I, I am a little bit jealous of Utah going with lower capacity, better experience, because I think that's the trend. I think when it's not ranked number 10 in the nation undefeated, there, we all have a tough time filling our stadiums compared to how we used to. And so maybe reducing the capacity, but making it more comfortable. That I'll, I'll say that. That's my thing. Okay. That's the one Sounds thing good. keeping us here on Earth. Okay. <laughs> question question, question number two comes from a Utah man am I at Josh the Berry 10. And we've talked about this a little bit, but he has a, a kind of a different spin on it. If you had to stop being a Utah or BYU fan, what college would be the one that you support out of state preferably? I know uh, your answer. This one's easy for me. Ohio State. Yeah, you served your mission because in Columbus, Ohio. I served Ohio. my mission There's... there. I've always had a draw there. It's just, it's just like they intrigue me. I love their uniforms. I loved everything about Ohio State when I was there. I love the yeah. Ohio State would be an easy, easy flip the switch for me. It it would be tough for me now. I'm gonna people are gonna come at me because what I'm about to say you'll be like, but you said Utah State is. I mean that's where I went. I have fond memories of cheering for the team. However, it would be hard to follow them from this far away. Uh, it's just they don't put out as much for you to follow. Uh, their games aren't as easy to find all the time. And so it, it'd be tricky. It'd be tough to follow you to say, plus you said out of state. So thinking out of state, uh, just off the top of my head, our fans had a wonderful experience in Nebraska. Those fans treated our fans right. They're just really good down to earth people. So I don't mind seeing Nebraska succeed. I wouldn't mind jumping on that one. Um, thinking along those same lines, Texas Tech, future Big 12 foe. You go back to like the Friday Night Lights, West Texas, where football is still like, it's just people, people appreciate it. People love it. And so Texas, Texas. Tech, I think, would be a, that would be a fun one to just say that's kind of a, uh, a little bit of an underdog, lesser known, like not the biggest fan base, but it'd be fun to just jump in and say, all right, I'm one of you guys now. And then lastly, Maryland. I was planning on going to dental school at the University of Maryland, uh, which is, is it's in Baltimore, but it's affiliated with the University of Maryland. Um, and so for about three or four months, I was all in on like learning about Maryland and enjoying I even like bought some Maryland basketball shorts. And so uh, I, I think it's fun to see them. Plus, they're, they do those crazy uniform combos, so... And, and they're not really a threat. You know, you, it's, I, no one will accuse me of being a bandwagon fan if I say Maryland because yeah. they're terrible. For sure. For sure. You got a lot of options there. That's exciting. If it wasn't Ohio yeah. State, I would choose, and this sounds bad, I would choose Alabama just because if I could immerse myself in them, then I could be a winner. I could always cheer for a team that's winning a natty, and that would be great. Okay. Last question. What Did you say there's last four Last question. This is the last one. This comes from Devin Hypnosis, Hypno-Ute. Baby back or St. Louis style ribs, or he oh, just no, he didn't say one. ribs. He just said baby back or St. Louis style. He meant, I mean, he meant ribs, obviously. He, he meant, Do you want to take this one first? Or you want me to roll? I will, I'm going to parrot what I heard Kalani say. He was talking. Uh, he was asked on his show uh, where his favorite spot to eat is, and he said his his kitchen. You know, is like his home. He loves going home after the games, and he stays up all night watching film, and he just eats. And uh, they were asking him what his favorite or least favorite. And he was like, do I look like a guy who's picky about what he eats? <laughs> and that's, a, that's how I feel. I, I, okay. I'll, I'll take I could this not I'm, tell I'm, you the difference between Baby Back or St. Louis style right now. And I've, I've had them both I, and I enjoy them both, but I don't know the difference. I am, I am a self-proclaimed 
barbecue expert. I All right. let me give you my resume, okay? I lived in Kansas City where barbecue is king. Like everybody there has a smoker. I spent time with my wife's boss at the time. He was a competition smoker, like competed in the Alexa cook-off, which is uh, the Lenexa cook-off, which is a big invitation-only barbecue cook-off. He had a team of three or four people. They'd spend three or four days smoking. So I went to that with him. There's the 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 um, the the great the KC Royal Grand. Gosh, what's the name of it? The the big one where it's like like world famous people come in to smoke. Anyway, so I, I've been smoking my own meat for 15 years. I've I've, I, I love smoking. The difference between baby back and St. Louis style, it's where the rib comes from. The baby back rib comes from the rib of the pig where it kind of meets up with the back joint, right? Okay. Um, the, the, the spine, so it's the baby back ribs. The, the, the St. Louis spare rib is the bottom half of the rib where it goes on underneath the pig and meets okay. with the stomach, right? So there's a couple different yeah. things that, that make this different. So the baby back rib, they're a little meatier like on top of the bone. Right, like a little mm-hmm. thicker there. The St. Louis spare rib, the meat's in between kind of the bones, right? A little okay. more meaty there. Also with the St. Louis, so, so spare ribs is the St. Louis style rib. Spare rib, there's like some knuckle joints and things that um, that, that are the spare ribs. The St. Louis style is the way it's trimmed. So spare ribs are trimmed into St. Louis style, okay? So you trim off kind of some of the, the flap down there, some of the, the little like cartilage pieces and trim it up nice and square. Um, so the, the St. Louis style ribs are a little bit longer and bigger than the baby back ribs. Um, but the baby back have a little thicker meat on top of the bone. I personally like the St. Louis style because I like eating in between the bones versus trying to like peel it off the bone with my teeth. But yeah. it doesn't matter. They're both delicious. If they're cooked and smoked and prepared properly, they're both incredible, right? And so here's how I like to cook my ribs, right? There's the way people start out when when their basic smoking is like a three two one method, three hours on the smoker, then you wrap them in tin foil for two hours, then you take it off for an hour. Um, a lot of people will have different rubs. I like to my, my rub that I mix is I get a, a a cup of salt, a cup of pepper, and a cup of brown sugar, and I mix those together. People don't really go with the brown sugar, but the brown sugar to me, when you rub that on your 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 ribs, when the heat gets high enough, it starts to caramelize a little bit, give it a nice little sweet finish to it. Um, mm-hmm. And if you smoke ribs properly, you do not need sauce. That is the number one key with barbecue. If you're a good smoker, you don't need sauce. Sauce is a crutch to hide dry meat and poorly seasoned meat. So okay. anyway, I, long story short, I'm going to go with the St. Louis ribs. Spare ribs over the baby back. I like They're it. They're both good. I have, a, I have a couple questions for you from a practical standpoint. What's the what's the coldest temperature you can smoke in with a smoker outside? Uh, yeah, you would you would be handicapped with where you're at. Um, you're handicapped. Be, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Be, because of where you're at, you would be mm-hmm. having a difficult time. However, a lot of smokers sell cold weather jackets for their smokers, which oh, help okay. regulate the temperature. I have never smoked in anything under than like 20 degrees. And because okay. when you get up there negative 60 degrees, I don't know if it's possible to keep the smoker warm enough. The important the important part with smoking meat is consistency. Consistency is absolutely okay. the number one important thing. <laughs> if you have fluctuations in um, if you have fluctuations in your temperature, hot to cold, hot to cold, it doesn't cook even. It it, it yeah. delays the cook, it can dry it out. It's got to stay consistent. And so for someone like you up in the North Pole, Smoking is probably not very effective in the winter. Um, well, I just, may, just... I may, I may try it this Saturday because we're we are currently 
uh, 34 degrees right now. And so it's been it's been teetering around that. So if I could still do it at 34, because I bought a Traeger earlier this year. I bought it as I was, this is another inspiration thing. I was walking through Costco and I was inspired and said, this I will buy this Traeger. So, um, and I've been doing a lot of just the easy stuff. Okay. I have smoked in that degree temperature before. It's, okay. it's, it's easy. So you'll be fine. Yeah. The thing that's, that, that makes smokers, or excuse me, makes Traegers, better for first for for novices is it controls the temperature on its own like i i was i don't want to sound like i walked two feet two up to you know i walked to school uphill both ways in snow but when i started smoking (laughs) i i I was using an an offset smoker and you have to regulate the temperature on your own so you've got to make sure you've got enough fire source in there if it gets too hot you've got to vent it so you can get more airflow if it gets too cold or excuse me opposite if it get you, you got to vent it to get more airflow if, if it's not yeah. hot enough to get the fire warmer you've got to control the vents you've got to know when to open it when to so it's it's very difficult to keep that temperature even because there's so many variables outside temperature what's your wood looking like how wet is your wood how uh the smoker the the charcoal how how hot is your charcoal burning all that stuff with a traeger you set it bam it uh it, it regulates the temperature for you so it's easier to cook yeah. on a traeger than a, than a, so- than a manual smoker on a six-hour smoke, that really took six hours of your time. Yeah, dude, that's it was, crazy. It was, it's a, dude, I I had smoked a brisket that was like eighteen hours, where wow. I had to get up three or four times in the middle of the night to make sure everything was okay. Like it was, it's it's a labor of love, bro. It's yeah. not it's not something where you just set it and forget it with a manual smoker. I mean, literally, like it's an event. And the thing is, it's it's an absolutely an art form. It's it's yeah. not something where hey I'm just gonna smoke a brisket because I'm hungry like if you're smoking on a on a on a manual smoker like a stick burner or a side offset firebox you're doing it because you love the craft man and literally yeah. a, a good a good a good pit boss makes all the difference in the world you can go with, with any genre you can get good food and bad food but I feel like the biggest swing in bar is in barbecue like a good pit boss a good restaurant it is spectacular. A bad pit boss, it's downright inedible, and anywhere mm. in between. Like it's, it's not easy to it's not easy to smoke good food. You've got to be good at it. So I'm gonna, I'll tell you, it's even easier than you were describing for me. My Traeger hooks up with my phone, and I will push the buttons on my phone from church so that it's ready when I get home. Like I'll put it in, and I can I can adjust the temperature. I can do whatever. It will like it will buzz on my watch. My watch will say, oh, it's done. It needs to do this or whatever, and I can just go on my phone and and. Just turn whatever adjustments I need to make. I can do from anywhere in the world. Yep. What a time to be alive. And that's that's incredible. And here's what I'll say: smoking on a Traeger is good. Like the food's good, but there's just something about smoking with wood and charcoal that you can't replicate with a Traeger, in my opinion. And that's why all these competition smokers use these these the, yeah. the old school method because there's a bark that you can develop better on uh-huh. on the with the, the charcoal in the, in the wood and it just has a more authentic flavor i can't describe it any other way than that whereas a, a traeger does a really good job imitating it makes it much easier but true genuine central texas or kansas city or memphis barbecue yeah. is done on a, on a stick burner baby i'm passionate about barbecue i, told I you, could man, tell this is, a, this is a good question for me i like it I can't imagine. Uh, here's the thing. I'm gonna say I can't imagine waking up two times in the night for food, like to prepare food. But I can imagine I've lost many, many, many hours of sleep for photography. So I get it. Yep. I get that when it's, it's something all, you're passionate yep. about, sleep doesn't matter as much. Yep, that's right. Hey, dude, I've woken up 
back when Utah had game day come, we've had college game day come to our campus four times. The, mm. Back in 2010 against TCU, I remember I got up at three o'clock and it was like I had slept 50 hours the night before. I sprung out of bed to get yeah. to campus to, for the game day. So yeah, whatever you're passionate about, you're right. Sleep doesn't matter. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, man. That's the end of our questions. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, for those of you that are still here. That's awesome. This makes yes, up for, for no episode last week. For we've, we've got an extra long episode this week. Uh, yes, tune in next week or the week after. We don't really know when we'll be back, but uh, when we're yeah. when we're here, we'll see you. Yep. Last parting shot. Be kind, everybody. You don't know what people are going through. It doesn't matter what your day is like. Be kind. Everybody, you know, just, just be kind, man. Life's hard. Go Utes. Amen. Well, amen to the first. Well, amen to both parts. Amen. Be kind. Amen. Go Utes. Go Cougs.